Kings of Kill, the show dedicated to the love of all things horror. I'm Zach. And I'm Steven. And here on the Kings of Kill podcast, we celebrate the scary, the surreal, the supernatural, and this week, even the sci-fi. Whether you're tuning in again or if it's your first time listening, welcome to the show and thank you. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, the Kings Kill Podcast, so you never miss a show. If you have any ideas for an episode, write to us at Podcast at gmail. And now, if you like what we're doing, the biggest way you can say thanks is to share this episode. Now, let's share some scares and get on with the show. Steven. Yeah. I'm excited for week, this one. Last week, we opened our big fat mouths and mentioned a movie very near and dear to our hearts. What was that movie? The thing. Now, <laughs> but let's not that's get a there. Big mo- that's a big crazy. movie, big movie to tackle, but we didn't want to disappoint. So this week we're going all the way back to the 50s, to black and white, to an iconic piece of horror and sci-fi history. We're talking about the thing from another world. Yes. Steven, was your first time seeing the show? Um, no, I remember watching it as a little kid, late with my dad, but I didn't know what it was. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't connect it. Like, I I liked, when I first saw the Carpenters thing, I yeah. just didn't even realize this was even the one. And then adaptation of Carpenters, I was like, what? I didn't even realize that. But um, I want to say in the last 10 years, yeah, this would be the first my first watch and my eyes were more open and I could think more. <laughs> yeah. This is my, this is my first time watching this as an adult and I can appreciate it now. So uh, like I guess I could have said that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could, I like we spoke before, like that. Uh, we we're talking about like, like uh, appreciating art for art's sake and not being jaded by being a, a, a spoil when it comes to, to modern film. And this, this reminded me uh, something I got a little, bent over for a while i i used to really bash on hollywood for constant remakes well if you look at it every story's kind of been told at least once in somehow form and and so i found out that the thing carpenter's the thing which is absolutely fantastic was a reimagining of the thing from another world which is a reimagining of a short story yeah from 1938 by uh, Joseph Campbell Jr. and called "Who Goes There," which, uh, which is where this all came from. Um, so uh, it, it, it's just funny how life is full circle, telling you, "Hey, let's let's just appreciate art for art's sake." It's tough to find an original thing nowadays. They'll come it's out find original thing. Very, you say, yeah, no, I'm thing? Like a, a thing, <laughs> uh, original uh, script or movie. Yeah, it's so hard I'm to find. You. But they're, they're out and there. He, and even if you try to make something original, odds are that frame of a story, that idea has been told a thousand times yeah, already. And someone's so, going to uh, be in the comment section like, this is just like this movie. Transformers <laughs> yeah. already did that or something stupid. I don't know. I don't know why I said that, but you know what? Yeah, let's, Someone let's compare. Let's... says they already did that, and it's annoying. Of course they did. This is their telling of it. So we're speaking to the comment section. I can't wait for people to harp on us for comparing Transformers I to a sci-fi classic. <laughs> yeah. 
Oops. Yeah. Um, those of you who, who don't know the premise of the thing, the premise of, of all the films and all the remakes, the original story is pretty much the same. You have, uh, you have a military base, you have scientists, researchers um, uh, working together um, to tackle some strange discovery. And that discovery, of course, is some strange alien being. A thing. Um, the thing. A thing. <laughs> Yeah, something interesting about this version, though, is is they literally call it a big carrot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it's in this in this rendition, it's uh, it's made of plant matter. Yes, and it's weird. It's very, it's very, it is a thing. It's very, it's very Frankenstein esque. It kind of you know? looks like you know they they call it a carrot, but in my eyes, I'm like, oh, it's Phil Hartman's SNL Frankenstein scene. It's exactly That's like what that. He looks actually, like. he's got. Oh. <laughs> when I was watching it. I was just like, I gotta go back and watch that skit. Yeah, <laughs> and I did. It's, it looks exactly like that, and that's not to dog this movie because this was this was state of the art at the time. They had a million dollar budget, which is epic. Um, but uh, it's funny. Uh, the actor who played the thing is actually incredibly famous. Um, his name was uh, uh, James Arness, and uh, James Arness is famous because he was the lead in Gunsmoke. Yeah, um, yeah, huge, huge series. And he didn't like this movie because they got rid of all of his close-ups because the makeup was atrocious because it was terrible. <laughs> it's the fifties. Get it right. <laughs> so we had all these close-ups. And James Arness got the part because he was—he's a huge man, right? He's very strong. He's very big. Um, in Gunsmoke, he towers over a lot of people. It's not like he's wearing a giant hat. It's not like he's wearing boots. It's because he's huge, you know. Yeah. In this, he—he's he, his least favorite role. One because I mean, obviously, he plays a monster. Um, but they got rid of all his close-ups. No one even knew it was him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, the makeup was SNL Frankenstein. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Uh, did you, did you see, they, did you read the, like, do you know the backstory who directed it? Yeah. So there, are you talking about like, there's a controversy about, yeah, uh, about Nibi doing it. Yeah. And then people are like, well, Howard Hawks did it. His production company, you know, produced it. And then the cast and crew and like the world still doesn't know who actually directed it because Hawks removed his name. So the other guy, uh, Nibi, uh, takes all the credit but they took turns directing scenes so there's like you know who truly directed it i i guess you would say nibi nibi so hawks is uh, uh hawks was dubbed the best director you don't know about mm -hmm. um because he he kind of changed cinema a little bit and it, it's funny because uh carpenter ridley scott james cameron spielberg they all respect Hawks, because what he did is he he did two things. He made the screen filled with camaraderie. Like when when the show starts, you believe all of these people, these soldiers, these scientists that work together. Uh, in in the fifty one version, it's the Air Force. You believe they're friends. You believe they know each other. They're all they're very chummy. Yeah, you know, they're very joking. Like the way and the then the dialogue. Like when yeah, captain, oh like yeah, Hawks it's is just, yeah, or not Hawks, but yeah, the captain just palling around with captain the Pat, yeah. Poker table, yeah. No, you believe, 
He's good at that. You believe you believe they're friends. And something else he did was uh he he made the actors talk over each other with the dialogue. Oh, I love usually, it. that's what I love the most. In cl- yeah, in classic films, um, usually it's kind of a pause. It's very much like a play. You know, there's like pauses, there's big lines, and there's and there's breaks, mm-hmm. and they he, all talk like robots. Yeah, so literally just like this show, <laughs> it's just people talking. You know? Yeah, exactly. No, I, I love uh, that. It's very like you feel like you're in that conversation. Oh yeah. So one theory uh, that I've heard about, and no one knows of, of who was the real director. Was it Hawks? Was it Neeby? It, it turns out that Hawks needed help finishing his award-winning film, Red River. Mm-hmm. It came out late forties. Um, and uh, Neeby helped, helped him uh, edit that film. And so he kind of felt very grateful to Neeby. And then Neeby based his directing chops on Hawks style. He was kind of like he Neve refers to Hawks as Rembrandt. Oh. And so and so the theory is, is that Hawks threw Neve a bone as a thank you for the help on Red River and gave him the director shot for this film as a big thank you. Like he knew it was going to be a gem. He knew it was going to go into history. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Because, of that, because of that Neve went on to work on the Twilight Zone, uh, Lassie. Um, he directed some of Gunsmoke. Um, I mean, just this laundry list of of these epic shows that you would never think to know all come from the same person. Yeah. Just like uh, kind of so they have like a relationship kind of like Tarantino, like Rodriguez for Dust Till Dawn. And it's, it's a lot like that. A lot of uh, I'll scratch a lot of a lot of camaraderie, a lot of uh, under the table. Hey, thanks. I appreciate you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that makes total sense to me because the directors, some actors from uh, the thing say Nibi directed and some said Hawks directed and some said they were both on set. So <laughs> it sounds like they were just a team, you know? That's the way to do it. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. Speaking of... What were we talking about? Oh, so this, this film is, uh, is dubbed as like the original giant monster movie which i'm okay with except frankenstein came out in 31 well let's say for like sci-fi. got it in my hat so maybe sci-fi yeah this was the first time that an epic successful movie combined horror and sci-fi and i mean what a perfect mate can you yeah. imagine a better marriage yeah like uh top of my head i could probably what was there around then like forbidden planet and uh, what's that other one? When worlds collide, but when worlds collide came out I think, the same year. Yeah, and then Forbidden Planet, I think I don't know the year, but around the same time. But there wasn't anything quite like this. This was, I mean, this influenced a was- lot of horror, like Carpenter and Ridley Scott. I mean, Scott did Aliens, and he took some sequences from this. And Carpenter even put it in his Halloween movie. You can you can see in the background yeah. watching this movie. Yeah, that's that's what's playing at night. Ridley Scott says that the idea of uh, of his ideas from his entire career he literally stole from this film specifically. And James Cameron says the whole uh, uh, um, Geiger counter bit, the aliens getting closer and closer and closer, is literally from this it's Geiger in the counter movie. Yeah. in the film. Yeah, he uh, said well, it's, he directly stole it. Yeah, Spielberg says that 
his most one of his most iconic visions of cinema uh, was when um, the thing is being electrocuted in the final scenes. He says that's one of his favorite. See that's um, yeah cinematic views of all the filmography. How amazing is that? Yeah, that was a good scene, and yeah, <laughs> I I just I like in how fact, how the cast. Uh, how they just show you know we talked about how close they are and stuff and they have yeah. they have like the military type guys which is just like kill it burn it you know and then yeah the, the airport science... guys who are like oh, we need to get rid of this yeah and then you got the science guys like no I want to research it then you got the reporter the one reporter was like this story is going to be great Scotty. <laughs> we have to get the <laughs> <Scotty>. story <laughs> and poor Scotty just wants to get his story he's such a smart ass the whole time and the cap Captain Pat gives him no love nope he just shuts him down left and right. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Pat, played by uh, Kenneth uh, Toby, who uh, um, who was was pretty new at this point, uh, and because of this, went on to have over two hundred credits to his name. Jesus. One thing I like about Captain Pat is that yes, he was like your typical classic. You know, strong machismo, womanizing type. Except he wasn't a womanizer. Well, he was, but like he wasn't this chauvinistic jerk. He was actually put in his place over and over by this sort of tongue-in-cheek cat and mouse game he had with uh, um, the lead, uh, Margaret Sheridan, who played Nikki. Oh yeah. Um, who at one point tied him up, force-fed him drinks because he got too handsy on the first oh, day. Yeah, Miss Chapman. That relationship is so goofy. It's funny. You said Miss Chapman a little like you enjoy that a little too much, sir. No. <laughs> no. Played by <laughs> Sally Creighton. She's so adorable. How they're having fun and just getting they're just talking about getting drunk and having fun. Hey, she ties them well, up. I thought it was it was I thought it was uh Margaret Sheridan who played Nikki. I thought her name was Miss Chapman. Um I just called her. Maybe that was her first name, and I didn't catch that. I think that's uh, that <laughs> she, was, she was. She was. Uh, she she was with. Uh, uh, that was Miss Chapman was a character who was with Doctor Chapman. She's in the some of the uh, oh, scenes. Yeah, and, I'm definitely thinking of the wrong person. John, who Doctor Chapman was that really strong jawed guy who always oh, wore the turtleneck. That's right. That's right. My bad. My bad. Turn no, it. No, it's all good. It's all good. No, it's all good. There's a, there's a lot of people in this cast. And like, Dude, what's funny so about movies from this era is that when there's a scene, somehow everyone is in the shot. All 20 people, right? every scene. They fit everyone in, in that shot. little room. What is happening? No one acts that way. When the guy bursts through the door and he's like, the thing killed, you know, or the creature, he killed two of our guys and everyone's just huddled over him. I'm like, dude, give him some air. No kidding. <laughs> oh, speaking of when the guy bursts in. So uh, they they find a, a buried flying saucer. Uh, they excavate it. Actually, they ruin it. They blow it to smithereens. Oh, and within minutes. Somehow. They're like, oh, my God. Some object just crashed on the ground. Within minutes, they already decide to blow it up or just melt the ice. <laughs> Let's they try to get the all ice. these explosives. It's- <laughs> they blow it up, which one is hilarious. I mean, that, I mean, I would probably blow it up myself, but uh, um, it survived like the atmosphere, but couldn't survive uh, like some thermite. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But somehow, huh. out next to it, after this massive explosion that, ex- that exploded the ship, there's an ice block, which did not melt. That's perfect ice block. With the thing in there, which is literally Frankenstein. Yeah. That they take into storage instead of instead of actually uh, uh, putting it like in some meat locker or something they have at the base. They just put it in like some room, break a window to keep it cold. And the guy they they tell to watch it. Puts an electric heating blanket on the goddamn block of ice. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes, actually, because it's so goofy. I had to rewatch it. Like, why? Why? This isn't even one. An electric blanket would burn that whole place down if it's melting a block of ice. Oh, yeah. It's it's so funny guy, what happens to him. <laughs> he just runs in, says, hey. He starts shooting blindly at this thing, runs in. It's loose. It's loose. Why is it loose? No one asks him at all. No. Like, he's just sitting there doing his work. He doesn't hear the water just dripping and melting from this ice. Like a like flood. It's, yeah, it's just a guys. flood. And then the, he hears the dog bark for some reason. Then he sees the shadow and is like, oh, my God. Starts doing his research, turns around, and just fires blindly. Like, <laughs> screw the whole idea of preserving <laughs> this thing. He just shoots everywhere. Bang, 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 bang. He puts, like, three shots and then runs away. <laughs> No wonder it's, it's just so goofy. <laughs> got sh- it just exactly. got shot in the it face. It woke up and then just gets shot at. Like, <laughs> no wonder. And soon after that, you see him actually like like just flipping dogs over like as a silhouette, which is actually pretty scary. Like it is pretty scary. And I love how they always have dogs in this. You know what I mean? And all the yeah. other things. Every adaptation of this, there's dogs. It's the same kind of dog, you know, a little husky. It's the husky, yeah. The, um, yeah. But that's one. Of, I want to say that's one of my favorite scenes when they're uh, when he comes in, tells everybody, you know, this guy's throat is slit. There's bodies hanging from there, and you don't even yeah. know. You don't even get to see that many deaths in this movie. But he comes in, yeah, and he says, you know, he says like. I saw this. This is crazy. Everybody's yeah. in the shot like, oh my god, we're not going to give you Everyone's any breathing in. room. Don't worry. Every- You're fine. <laughs> and so the captain's <laughs> like, alright, boys. Damn. Let's grab our guns. Let's go down the hall. And I love this shot. Because well, of course just- they're going to grab their guns. Winchester sponsored this movie. Winchester <laughs> Films made this movie. Of course they're going <laughs> to grab their guns. I love this shot because they're walking down the hall. There's no music. It's just nothing. And you don't know what's going to happen. You're like, I don't even know what this thing looks like. And so they're walking down the hall. They get to the door and they're just like waiting. You know, it's just all about that. Like the atmosphere. Oh, yeah. You don't know what's going to oh, happen. Yeah. As soon as the yeah, door opens, silent. you see it. You finally see not that much of it, but you finally see it. And it's just a good scene because they're just so supportive of that dude that got hurt. They're like, let's go. Let's grab the boys, grab the guns. It's funny. It's good scene. Are you making a rock song? Grab the boys, grab the guns. Grab the boys, grab the guns. Yeah, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's like jump scares usually don't like affect me very much. Like I'm like ah cheap cheap scare. That was really good though because they cut the noise, they cut the dialogue, they brought it down to nothing, 
and they just went to open the door and it is there. It's the first time you see it. It's been 45 minutes into the film, a quick 45 minutes too. Oh yeah. And it's there full frontal slam the door. You see it almost like lose its arm, but it's so strong. It just, it just almost breaks the lock to get out. Yeah. You see this like plant looking thing. Yeah, it's this horny Which knuckled they, thing. They, they finally realize later that when the dog rips the arm off, they grab yeah. it. I don't. I mean, I probably would have just left the arm, or I don't know what I would have done. But like, they grab the arm. Then the one guy that does something you shouldn't do in horror movies get obsessed with the killer or something. Studies it. And he's like, "Look at this arm." The scientist. Yeah. Look at look at this arm. I'm like, wow. Look what it's doing to these plants. This is how you get touched by this. And then he starts growing it. <laughs> yeah. This guy's on the same team as him. Kill him. <laughs> but I do, but I do, I do think it's interesting, just like just like Carpenter's the thing. There's no real bad people in this. You can understand everyone's motive. You know, you can understand the Air Force captain being yeah, like, Yeah, I mean, I get everything. That's what I also I mean, like can, about the characters. Yeah, there's no you're bad guys there's with different motives. Exactly. Yeah. You think just like all of them, you're like, I would be like that in that situation. I would be that scientist. I don't want to be, <laughs> but I would be like, well, that's interesting. It's it's why paranoia is such a great plot driver. It's yes. so good for thrillers. Paranoia, trust in your surroundings, your buddies and stuff. Yeah, no, that's good. That's why the thing, the whole franchise is amazing. Well, oh, yeah. Because, I mean, how do you trust something that replicates something else perfectly? And in the actual original story, um, it's also, they, they make it very clear that it's uh, telepathic. And when it takes over you, it's going to also replicate your memories, meaning you might not know if you're it or not, which makes so sense rewatching Carpenters. We won't get into that too much, but it makes so much sense for character development if it's also yes. replicating memories as well. Yes. That's why they don't focus too much early on dealing with the creature. You're trying to, there's that character build. You're just trying to feel for the characters and, you know. And you do. You really do. I like Captain Pat. I like Nikki. I like the, uh, uh, the reporter, Scotty. I like uh, Pat's uh, uh, comrades too. His uh, his his Air Force buddies. Yeah, I like these characters. Yeah, especially the guy with the sensor that we were talking about, just like on Alien. Uh, yeah, uh, Mac um, or something. Crew chief. He's his name was uh, uh, his real name was Dewey Martin. What a handsome devil too! What a good looking stud every, that every, guy the was. The whole cast, the whole cast can come over. Everyone's got their pants we'll up high. Out. Got business to do. Yeah, the whole cat. Everybody in the fifties. Fuck, like everybody in black and white. The films. whole fifties. The whole fifties. America, you were beautiful in the fifties. What happened? <laughs> Walmart happened. <laughs> but yeah, all all the characters are so well liked. You don't really. Yeah, hate very likable. In the whole franchise, like I don't hate anybody in Carpenters either. Really? Yeah. Well, you see, you see a, um, a a stereotype that you get with horror 
is that it's full, filled with, you know, stupid, foolish, flat characters. Yeah, you, you know, got the jock, the princess, movie. the nerd. Yeah, but yeah. That's, that's just it with bad movies. This is a good film, and it's, it's full with very entertaining characters. And you get that when you watch good horror, you know? Yes. Yeah, they always try Something... to make the characters, you know, like, you're going to hate this one. So when he dies, you're going to be like, yes, that's awesome. Finally, the asshole dies. Yeah, that's been going on since the 80s, at least the 70s, really. I mean, because you need reasons to kill people. Well, if they're jerks, yeah, that's why they're campy horror movies. Like, why that's why slashers work so well because that's what they're focused on, and that's fun, but sometimes it gets a little, little obsessive. And you can't do that much. This movie was really funny. I mean, there are one liners left and right, even even at, at times of like high tension there are tons of jokes here and they still land 70 years later oh yeah i just i mean just the thought process that they do was funny you know like we said crashes on the ground in minutes they just decide let's blow it up and they joke about it too (laughs) yeah you know one one thing that that scotty mentions not actually meant to be a joke but now it's hilarious is he was mentioning like you know God, I, 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 I uh, um, something along the lines of, of how he would hate to think that Columbus could screw something up if he was trying to discover America like they handle the aliens. Well, <laughs> oh, you see, the thing is, <laughs> happy Columbus Day, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I just, what do you think? Uh, what was your favorite scene in it? Would you say? My favorite scene out of respect um, is, is uh, my favorite scene personally is going to be the scene where Nikki ties up the captain, even though he's not really tied up, he, he's gotten loose. He's just playing along um, because it's just so, it's so charming. You know, she's obviously in control. They're flirting. They're playing a game. No one's no one's hurt. They're, you know what I mean? It's it's just this. It, you just believe in this romance completely. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. You believe they're flirting, but out of respect, I'm gonna have to say the fire scene. And why? It's because <laughs> it's the first ever full body fire scene in cinematic history. Dude. This was one of the riskiest stunts <laughs> ever done. And how they did it? Kerosene and a flamethrower. <laughs> That's how they did it. What you see that guy on TV, died. what you see he should have on the screen. Died. Yes. Okay. So, so to set the scene up, the guy camera's going off. Wait a second. Something's up. Captain Pat opens one door to the mess hall. And be like, "Hey, the thing's coming back." Shuts the door. Everyone grabs axes and shit. They grab. They share buckets of kerosene and a flamethrower. And all of a sudden, the guy camera's going off, and it's there. They open the door, douse him launch the flamethrower, then douse him again. Don't worry, they cover Nikki with a futon pad, whatever that is, this little skinny mattress, and they re-douse him, get it completely engulfing her in fire. Everyone's on fire. I, the whole, they didn't care the about the whole surroundings. They're just no, like, we have to kill this. Well, the whole building is just These aren't doubles. These, they're in the scene. They're all frantically getting fire extinguishers and blankets Everyone's about to die. And scene. Great job, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? 
like they didn't even probably they probably didn't even practice that they're like you know what wing it you'll live it's fine you know they it You're turns out that, it turns out that afterwards um uh it was it was discovered that that the ignition fluid was uh was uh quote unquote too hot meaning it was it was too oxygen or something like that it was which means oxygen yeah and it which meant there would be no gun smoke if the thing inhaled because it would have burned him from the inside out yeah this guy just put his life on the line (laughs) god this was such a bad idea but god it was beautiful oh it's it's a pretty funny scene when i was watching it i was just my eyes were open like look at the building like how did everything stay intact they just ripped this no. up. I know they, they, you know, destroy the set and stuff, you know, to take away the base and, you know, try not to let the creature go. But, like, man, they really yeah. did it. <laughs> uh, God bless Hollywood. I want to say my favorite scene is probably still – it's either – it's it's like I said before when the guy comes in, he's like, hey – Buds are slashed, hanging from walls or hanging from the ceiling upside down. Yeah, yeah. And Cap's just like, "Let's go get him." I I really like that scene. How they how it was filmed, I think the most. What a badass! Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I God, it's it's just a good scene. Like I I see how Spielberg, you know, thought. Hey, you know, this is a really well done. (laughs) I I get it. And the atmosphere it was, is like it's just perfect, you know. There's a lot of tension. I want to say it's scary, and I mean it's been seven years, but there is suspense there. There is this slight tense music that builds up. You can tell when something's about to happen. It it really brings it to a focus. Mm-hmm. And you're from from oh from the very beginning when you actually th- see the title card. This is probably the most inventive title card. Oh, it's the best up till the day if you want. Yep, I was gonna say it just it's the best one. Oh, it's fantastic. Like Carpenter literally Carpenter and all the remakes literally stole from it because it was amazing. I mean, what you see in like Carpenter's what you see in uh, 2011, the 2011 2000s remake, that's it's the same title card. It's absolutely fantastic. Well, it just it. Bur- it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, when I was watching it, you know, just recently, uh, you know, I I was like, "Wait, did I put in like a black and white version of Carpenter?" It's like I don't remember yeah. the original doing that at all. It is it is like that. In fact, uh, I've I've seen some recuts of it, um, where they actually put in Carpenter's score that dun dun, oh. and it fits well with this film. You know, I when they were flying over the base at the very beginning, and there's no there's yeah. no, I don't even know if you can hear the airplane, but there's no like score music on it. And I was, in my head, I was just doing the, you know the score from it. I was like dun dun. They're just <laughs> looking at the base, and I don't know. It made me feel. I don't know. I loved it. <laughs> it 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 proves to you how desolate they are. That if something went wrong, no one will help them but themselves. Exactly. They're stranded. They're isolated, and and shit's going down that they're not prepared Silence for. Silence in no a horror film is amazing. Like I I yeah, love it when is. it's just like quiet. That's why pop out scares are good. Sometimes I don't like them. I'm, I don't get scared by pop out ones. I just don't. But it was done well in this one. It really was. Yeah, no. They are. Some pull it off, you know. That's why, you know, The Strangers is good because it's just quiet and it's a house. And 
the music a truly terrifying yeah the only music in it is I, from what Liv tyler plays on her record that's the only yeah. music you hear yeah and, and you're like which is very clever yeah, yeah that's how you do it and i yeah. mean the thing has music over it but it's not music music it's just like this ominous sound just perfect or you just use the sounds from the surrounding like the original thing did <laughs> You don't need a score for it. Yeah, everything. they did. They 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 mic'd, uh, They had the whole set mic'd the whole time. Um, so that, that not only you never heard the lead star above any belt, you, you heard everyone hammering nails and making blockades and grabbing hatchets and firearms. Yeah. Like, you hear this noise, and it's enough to make this cacophony of sort of like this like uh, ASMR-esque beat that just fills, fills the background where the music is only used a few times and that's all you need. Exactly. Just a small filler, if that. If that. And it pulls it off wonderfully. Oh, it does. I this is this was an absolute delight. The, the runtime is just under an hour and a half. Went by so quickly. The characters are so fun. Um, if you're a fan of horror, if you're a fan of sci-fi. If you're into film and want to check out something something older, this is a fantastic treat that most people definitely don't know. Oh, it's about. so overlooked. Everybody's seen. Oh, whoever, whoever's a fan of anything sci-fi or horror, you should probably have seen Carpenter's a thing. But this one's so overlooked. I mean, hell, I didn't even know it was you know the original until for so long. Or even if you're a fan of of classic westerns. Or if yeah. you're a fan of, of epic things like The Big Sleep, Red River, uh, Hell, Gunsmoke, Twilight these, these epic, iconic, yeah, these 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 epic treats of like Americana, all they're all done by the same people. The same cast got together. The same crew built this. What a treat. What a treat in American history. Yeah, and they, to think in 1950s, like you don't need a budget. I mean, they had a budget, but you know, like, they you don't need to see the creature for the time. You don't. They don't. You don't see the creature no. forever. And you know what Spielberg did? You didn't see the shark forever. Pulled it off. Alien pulled it off. You don't see the alien forever. But you know what? This yeah. movie, especially is the first, yeah, the OG. <laughs> One of them. It is. I can't it's... say the OG, but it's. You know, it paved a big road for horror and sci-fi. It. It's the first film collectively to combine sci-fi to combine to, to combine quality filmmaking and to combine horror to make not a B movie to make not some slasher not some jump out scare to make a film and it works so well and and that's why I think it's respected by Carpenter it's respected by Spielberg it's respected by by Cameron and Ridley Scott yeah. it, it's who openly admit to loving if not stealing directly from the film i mean that's that's got to show to its greatness yeah and even if you copy it you know it's it's not the worst thing I, i'd be flattered if someone copied my work and was like well then again i don't know be pissed but then i'd be like well they just want to be like me <laughs> i had that idea look at my movie and then look at his <laughs> you know what i mean like i'd, I'd be flattered people's I heard ideas. somewhere when it comes to art and entertainment, if you're going to steal, steal from the best. Exactly. You know, and that's what people did from this film. Well, this, is, this is one of the best, hands down. Yeah. 
I love it. Definitely, yeah, definitely me too. worth a watch. I, Even if, I mean, it's black I, and white, might scare some people off. Like, oh, it's from the 50s. No. Watch this. This, this it's is the still one. still entertained to this day. Yep. And I would recommend the black and white version. They, they did color remaster it. They did, like, restore I it. I don't know if I can but do I've that. Seen, I haven't seen it. I've seen stills from it. I've seen seen frames from it. And the color is so like it's like a water painting. It's it's very washed. It's very, very colorful, but very, very washed out. And it takes you away from mm. it. So it looks like, like the colored version show or something. Something yes, so it looks exactly like that. <laughs> yeah, the color version looks looks more dated than the original black and white. I see. Yeah, I, I haven't even seen or looked up anything on that. That's I've just seen That's stills, clever, and it's just the black and white's better. I think if you go from color to black and white, that works. Like That's cool. I think, yeah, if you're going to commit to an old movie, watch it how it was exactly. intended to watch. But then you know? have you seen the black and white version of Logan or Mad Max Fury Road? Wow. <laughs> the, well, now I know what I have to do. The black and white versions, way better. But... I can't see this being colored. No. So you can go back. You just can't go. Forward. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I checked this film out. I just, yeah. I'll totally. I, I don't, watch. I don't I mean, like you can, you can find creature. it for, you know what I mean? Like I like seeing the creature later, but I don't like it when it's just like, here it is. Then you're just bored for the, throughout the film. You're like, I already know what it looked like. The relic face, or yeah. Jeepers Creepers. Once you saw him, I mean, Jeepers Creepers, the guy looks pretty cre- creepy and stuff. But once you see his face, but once it's you're like, wow, face, he looks like a yeah. California raisin. This is stupid. You're... You don't want to run away from this guy. You're like, I want to laugh at him. But then when you see Freddy Krueger, obviously, yeah. they pulled it off. And you're like, shit, I'd run too. <laughs> but the thing is, your imagination is going to be scarier. Like, exactly. I remember... As a kid, sneaking out of my bedroom, peering over the hallway, watching my old man watch X-Files, right? And I would fall asleep before the end and be terrified of what the monster, the alien, the bad guy looked like because I never saw him. My mind was way worse <laughs> than what was actually on TV. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to scare you. Your imagination is supposed to, you know, fuck your mind. It's so scary what the mind can do. And having sleep paralysis, yeah. it's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun yeah. at all. My yeah. mind is, yikes. Yeah. And then, but when you see it, I just can't help but like, that looks goofy. It it does take you out of it. I, I, give, some, it, I give it a huge pass things. because this was 70 yeah, years on, ago. On some things. It passes. But if you think about it, why the first alien was so enamoring, so haunting is because you only saw a few inches of that beast, yeah. you know, a few feet of it here, all in darkness. It blended in with the ship and jaws. You know, you it was tough to shadow. see these things. You just see a fin. You're like, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not Richard Dreyfus. I don't know how big that shark fin is from head to tail. I, but he's just like, it's 20 footer. And then he's like, 25 like he just knows i don't know that but then you see its <laughs> mouth and you're like oh my god and something something that that's speaking of jaws something spielberg that truly loves about that film is he had such 
a hard time working with that damn oh, shark. It just wouldn't cooperate. Everything, the, what the hell? The animatronics kept breaking. It never worked. Almost wasn't it even was a terrible. Movie. And when Kevin Costner made Waterworld, he said, "Don't, don't do it in the water. It's not going to work. Make a set. Kevin, don't, don't go Waterworld in the ocean." Is such a good movie. I'm not even going to touch on that. I will fight anybody <laughs> that listens to this that talks shit about Waterworld. <laughs> Let's see what segue to get on this time. Let's see, we went from the fifties, oh man, Waterworld to Stephen inviting an open we fist. Good. We didn't even get distracted for the longest time, man. I forgot about that. Yeah, we did good. I'm glad we're actually proud yeah. of ourselves. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, um, Stephen, thank hey, you man, for joining always me. A pleasure. Loved it. Love this film. Thank you all so much for listening. Remember, follow us on Instagram so you never miss an episode of the Kings of Kill podcast. Write to us your ideas for future episodes at Kings Kill podcast at Gmail. If you like the episode, do us a huge favor and share it. Thanks again. I'm, I'm Zach. And this is the Kings of Kill podcast. <laughs>